Jack, I need a new word. Um, this week, the word I'm going to give you is limerence. Like, are they people from Limerick? Limerence. Limerence is the word to describe that moment in the beginning of a new relationship when you're just kind of obsessed with each other and you're not really thinking about the serious stuff. Like the infatuation kind of time. Yeah. But I actually, it's kind of a negative word, but I want to kind of bring it back. I like the idea that it's like a good thing, you know, and that it can come back in like years later. I kind of like that. It's a lovely word. It's kind of got this like little shimmeriness, like kind of stars twinkling in the sky, isn't it? It's gorgeous. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I need some limerence in my life. (laughs) Anyway, listen. Jolene, do you drink much wine? I love wine. I yeah. have an absolute weakness for wine. Honest to God. Like, if you want to mm. keep me happy, if you want to keep me in this limerence state, like, <laughs> just pour me a glass and I'm and I'm away for slates. Okay. Um, good news, actually, because we're talking about wine today. Absolutely. Um, we are chatting to Pascal. How do you pronounce his surname, Jack? Rossignol. Pascal, Pascal Rossignol. Pascal is from France. And he is the man behind Le Caveau Wines. And he has unearthed the mystery of biodynamic, natural, low-intervention wines. He has literally put away all the, the rubbish and got straight to the point. What is what? That's what we're talking about today. Yeah, I, full dis- disclosure, I, I know Pascal really well and I met him, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And like over time, slowly, we've actually become very good friends. Mm-hmm. He He's someone and uh, almost everyone that works in the in the food business in Ireland, I think, knows Pascal or knows of Pascal. And mm-hmm. although he might be the one person in the in the circle of people chatting who may not be a chef or have a food business, particularly, he's definitely someone who I really believe that his taste or his opinion on things there's, there's very few people I would trust more than Pascal. He really does know the, the ins and outs of food. He really, really, really loves and respects how food is made. He's just a great guy to speak to. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. And we caught up in Cork City in the top floor of Latitude Bar. So this is our interview. So welcome to the Neighbour Food Podcast. I am here today with Pascal from Le Cavo Wines. Pascal, where in France are you from? Hello, hi, Jolene. Um, yeah, I'm from Burgundy, a village of Gevry-Chambertin, which is um, a Burgundy, if you can locate it, like maybe three hours drive southeast of Paris, between say, something like Lyon and Paris. Uh, yeah, that's where I grew up, that's where I'm from. Um, obviously, Burgundy, Gevry-Chambertin, these are areas very linked with wine. Um, and yeah, I certainly grew up uh, surrounded by vineyards for sure. Yeah, very good. So just to make our listeners aware, I didn't kind of go out into the middle of Patrick Street shout. Is there any French people around that might know something about wine? I came to you, Pascal, for a reason because you were the man behind Le Caveau wines. Who mm-hmm. are Le Caveau wines? Who are Le Caveau wines? Uh, yeah, no, Le Caveau, Le Caveau. Yeah, Le Caveau is a company. Uh, well, it's a, it's a small company. It's a big word, like. We opened this small shop uh, back in 1999 uh, on the market yard in Kilkenny uh, with the view of bringing small growers, wine, pro- artisan producer. Uh, we initially thought of bringing food from France, uh, but mostly wine really was what we concentra- concentrated on uh, very quickly. Um, uh, and we, yeah, we, we started trading there on, on, the, on the market yard. Um, and then very quickly, the style of wine we were bringing uh, interested lots of restaurants, 
local at first and then uh, restaurants around, around the country. Uh, and they were interested in listing those wines. So okay. we quickly developed the, uh, a kind of a wholesale branch you know, where, we, where we could actually sell those wines to, to the trade as opposed to just the public. Gotcha. Um, and uh, over the years, uh, this uh, side of the business developed quite, 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 quite well. We kept uh, finding more wines and more interesting wines and growing our list and growing our list of customers. And over the last 22 years, I guess Le Caveau kept growing, but still, when I say growing, we're still pretty much an indie wine merchant, mm. uh, family-owned and family-run. Uh, eight people work in Le Caveau today, um, mostly uh, uh, family and then uh, uh, people on the road uh, selling wine to restaurants. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and also uh, my son and, and his fiancée uh, and Geraldine actually running the shop in Kilkenny. So it's all uh, hands so, on deck yeah, here. So uh, that's it, yeah, pretty much, uh, yeah, pretty much like cool. that, yeah. So one of the things that I would definitely associate Le Caveau wines with is these natural, biodynamic, organic, low-intervention wines. Now, I'm after throwing out a whole heap of buzzwords there that, <laughs> you know, are, are, they, are they just buzzwords? Do they mean something? Uh -huh. What's the difference? Can you maybe help me shed a little bit of light on that? Sure, absolutely. So, so when you work with artisan wine, as we were doing uh, from from ninety nine, uh, I think it was two thousand and six. My first time I actually tried a, a wine which was very different in aspect and taste and flavors uh, uh, than than the conventional wine that. Uh, that, that were mostly widely available, um, and and uh, it was described to me as being made with no additives okay. at all. So, but you know, that even the term natural wine wasn't even in, I guess, at that time. But um, and, and and I really felt excited about it. I said, yeah, maybe it, it's so strange, but there was a feeling about this wine which made me think like it felt alive. You know, it okay. felt full of energy. It felt like directly may come from the. You could picture the grape. You could picture the. The, the, the winemaker fermenting his grape and then just bottling that finished product with hardly any intervention. And yeah. that's what um, the liquid in the glass felt like, you know. Okay. Uh, I, I've worked three years in vineyard, I suppose that probably helped me consider that aspect of it. Uh, I've worked three years in Burgundy as, as, as a, with a winemaker there. Mm -hmm. So so that really brought me back to, uh, to, to those days back in the 80s when I worked in the vineyard and looking at that glass of wine, which was really different so um so that brought me to kind of a you know kind of a wonder you know that this and and um so we look at the categories of wine uh yeah organic and now things have evolved to uh we took a lot of organic wines biodynamic wines natural wines i think for for understand what what those are or what it means and trying to keep things very simple of course um, we have to maybe uh, you know see w what you know what those categories and so what is the other categories then mm -hmm. so let's see at the way wines make today uh, the modern way of making wine when uh, you say the modern way are you talking about a standard bottle of wine that I buy in a supermarket that, that's it let's okay. focus on, on on this say an entry-level wine the most widely available wines uh, in, in Ireland today uh, are picked, uh, the wines are purchased in supermarkets. Mm -hmm. So m most of those wines, um, they would be made in large scale, to, okay. to, you know, cause to bring the price down, obviously, there's always a, a large scale uh, involved, you know, somewhere. Um, they would be made using 
modern techniques. Techniques have been introduced into the wine world just shortly after World War II, you know, so okay. it's not... We've, and they've been, those techniques have been uh, fine-tuned and improved and all geared towards production, mostly quantity, and, and uh, stabilizing and getting a product, uh, okay. uh, 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 wine, which would be completely stabilized uh, and, and, uh, and with a certain taste. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a certain taste to suit certain market. So basically, wines are made conventionally, so the vineyards are run conventionally, so chemicals are used, everything mm -hmm. is used to, to increase the, 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 the crop and to make it as healthy as possible, I guess, but okay. healthy in, always in a way with, with volume in, intended, you know, when, sure. when, uh, when wine are made in this way. Um, so the, the, the wine are usually and at that scale, machine harvesters. So there's no sorting you know, at all in the vineyard. Wines are, 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 are harvested by, by machine, brought into very, very large wineries. And then usually sulfur, we'll come back on sulfur after our sulfite, but it's usually added there to kind of neutralize any kind of a yeast, unwanted yeast and, and, and any bacteria unwanted mm -hmm. into the grape. Uh, then the selected yeast are used to start the fermentation, and that's an important point. It may not sound very important, but it is. Okay. Uh, selected yeast can dictate uh, modern yeast um, uh, can dictate the final taste of the wine. You know, there's X amount of yeast that will give you the kind of a lemony, super fresh flavors. Uh, some other yeast will, will develop uh, more fruity, red fruit taste, and so on and so okay. forth. So a, a large-scale winery can actually see what market at this stage from the juice in his vats uh, can, can see the market, where the one is destined to and what is market that mar particular market require. And then he can, if, if, if he wants, not saying that obviously everyone is doing that, but at that level, the, the taste and profile, uh, flavor profile of the wine can be can be selected mm. at that stage. Mm. Wow. And then there it's is almost a, like being a chemist, isn't it? Yeah, there is a lot of that. I mean, it, it's very detached from 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 the other side that will explain the other category or the other ways of making wine. Mm -hmm. um, that's very 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 detached for, for, from from that for sure. It's all about efficiency. Uh, volume, mm -hmm. uh, getting a wine as, as, as fast to the market as possible. So things are rushed. I mean, fermentation, the fermentation, uh, fermentation, we know when, when anyone that has made any kind of fermentation in their house would know that sometimes it works very well, you know, it takes a few days. Uh, and some of the time, fermentation can, can, can stop or, or slow down and then it, can, it takes longer. So there's an arsenal of additives and modern, uh, um, well, additives mostly that to a modern winemaker, a large scale uh, winemaker can use. Uh, he can add extra yeast to boost up, he can uh, use enzyme uh, to feed those yeast that are weakening and so on and so forth. So at that level, usually the wine is, they can guarantee you that the minute the grapes are in, the wine will be out within a couple of months, you know, okay. or three months, whatever it takes, whatever style of wine they're That's making. It's a fast process. But there is never, uh, nothing is left to change. I don't think nature or there have any say of anything. Wine will come out, you know, there's no question. Whatever quantities is harvested will come out in wine. Okay. Um, that's the more modern, you know, that, that's, that's, um, that's the scale, that's, that's the, the, the style of make, you know, wine conventional is made today, wine conventional, yeah. large scale. Um, then, of course, there are uh, a lot, a myriad of artisans, much smaller scale, still using quite a bit of those techniques and making some, you know, rather interesting wines. Mm. You know, they may have conventional wine, conventional way of, of farming, 
but most more than likely they will actually you know the the level of um, of treatments and chemicals that is thrown in the vineyard will be scaled down as okay. much as they can. It's really, if needed, I do it, but I wouldn't do it if not needed. Mm -hmm. Usually those kind of artisan would be more kind of a gear toward quality than quantity. So therefore, mm -hmm. there's a different uh, way of looking at it. And do you have a name for that category? Yeah, they, it call, well, the French call it a lutte raisonnée. Um, you know, um, I, I, it's very hard because, you see, the problem with uh, all what I'm going to talk about today is uh, not, except for maybe organic and biodynamic, it, there's no certification for anything. And those categories are only, uh, you know, they're up in the air, but they're not actually there. A conventional winemaker, it's not a, it's not a certification that people work in that way. If you see a bottle standing in a supermarket, you hardly have any way of telling, unless you're looking for organic certification, you have hardly any way of telling whether it is an artisan that worked with Lutte Raisonné, you know? Mm. Uh, is it a super mass-produced wine that just care about quantity? Sure. Uh, or even is it, an, well, as I say, if it's an organic wine by your D and if it's certified, you turn the bottle, there's a little logo at the back. So then, okay, you have an indication there. But for the rest, wine is wine, unfortunately. Mm. And, for, and like, this is what the, the beer uh, have managed to do. Mm. They've dissociated themselves, the craft beer, uh, have dissociated themselves from the more mass-produced beer, sure. and it's almost. Um, I'm not saying it's easy to recognize um, a craft beer because some of the large beer producers, as we know, uh, love to take every bit of the market and they created those kind of a so-called craft beer, something that looks like a craft beer but is isn't craft it's beer. It's completely different. But still, yeah. at least there is a kind of an official denomination for craft beer. Uh, beer amateur can find easily at a glance, you know, is the mass-produced one or is it the craft, you know, and mm. they can find. In the wine world, it's a little bit more, there is no, you know, uh, there's no real indication on the bottle of wine. Sure. So, so now, now we've talked about conventional mm -hmm. winemaking. We've sure. compared it to beer. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the other side now. The, these people that are con conventionally, yeah. I suppose, scaling back and, and using some of the principles, but not exhaustively. Yeah. Tell me more about this kind of more natural way of that's it and uh, of, of farming and and yeah and this is where look at farming. All, it's not a farm. It's a vineyard. <laughs> it, well, well, yeah, but it is a farm. I mean, you know, like when you talk about biodynamic, it's actually run as a farm. This yeah. is the land that will give you the fruit that you need to make mm -hmm. your final product. In this case, wine. Yeah. You know. Um, so uh, yeah, and, and, and those that category is what Le Cabo we're all about, okay. uh, and that's what we thrive in in, in, in doing. So um, yeah, so so we can start with uh, with say organic, biodynamic, natural. Uh, they have one thing in common, the, mm -hmm. the, and the, it's the start. It's how it starts. How it's, okay. uh, how vines are cultivated. How farming is done. Mm. It is all made organically. In the case of those three categories there, uh, you have to have an organic vineyard. So organic mm -hmm. vineyard, what is it? An organic vineyard or organic wine uh, in, in the EU, it, it will differ from, from countries, but uh, an organic wine typically is a wine produced from organically grown grapes, so a vineyard that have never seen any chemicals. Fertilizer is natural, uh, no chemical fertilizer, no fungicide, no pesticide, no weed killers is used in those vineyards. So already you can already appreciate from the sterile environment of a mass-produced vineyard, conventional vineyard where chemicals are, are sprayed sometimes up to 15, 16 times in, in a season, uh, all sorts of chemicals that really kill the, the, the life in the soil. 
um, and an organic vineyard is already you can just picture it that it would be it uh, much more uh, like it's alive it's it's, mm. a, it's not a sterile environment the grapes are growing uh, very often uh, 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 a crop is, is um, upper crop is actually uh, encouraged so um, uh, you know so that it gives competition to uh, to the vineyard so the vineyard has to dig deeper the roots okay. have to go deeper to get all the nutrients in the soil adding complexity to your to your final wine uh, of course, aeration is, 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 is also encouraged with the grass growing uh, between the rows. Basically, what uh, organic is, is doing is to recreate something, uh, a, a nice a, a place which feels full of life for your vine to grow on. Sure. And you'll be rewarded by doing that because you will get much healthier grape. Lovely, yeah. Grapes that will get all the components that you need to make a wine in the end. So, mm. and Grapes always add that. Remember, we've been making mm. wine for thousands of years, mm. and I've just mentioned that the conventional way of making wine is only the mere 50, 60, 70 years old. Okay. It only started post-World War II. Um, so the grape will give you all the antioxidants, the yeasts are present on the, on the grapes, it's mm -hmm. also in the winery. So you have the, your local yeasts that will start your fermentation without too much trouble. Uh, you have a healthy population of, of, of everything there. The, the, the soil is alive, mm -hmm. um, um, uh, you know, uh, and then, of course, you do not need to feed uh, with any chemicals. The mm -hmm. manure is often used. Treatments, illness always happen, of course, also in, in organic vineyard, but you can only do treatment with something that's actually natural, that's found in nature, like uh, copper, for example, or uh, sulfur, that's mm -hmm. in forms of powder, to treat some kind of disease, either mildew or rot, you know. And, and that's that's about all is allowed. And that's organically vineyard. There's a certification for this. Um, uh, a grower, if you wish, can, can register and get certified. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he has his logo at, at the bottom. So then, you have, so then you have a wine which is made organically. Uh, I'll stop at the vineyard a moment because the okay. difference will come when we talk about natural wine. They all work in this way. Mm -hmm. It's what happened in a winery then, right. that's the difference. So I won't mention, I'll stop there at the cultivation. Biodynamy is, is in a sense, it's, it's an organic way. Uh, you, you grow your grape organically. But on top of that, um, a biodynamic producer follow some rule uh, or some advice that were set up uh, during a lecture in the 1920s. Rudolf Steiner in Austria uh, had research ancient method of, of, of farming. It was not uh, about wine, it was mostly about farming, but of course those methods can be applied in any kind of crop growing, you know? So, sure. so um, and, and he, he, he looked at, um, at how the connectivity between just not just uh, seasons and, 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 and earth, uh, when you grow a crop, but also on, on a larger scale, uh, everything is interconnected, even within the solar system. Mm -hmm. um, the moon, obviously, being the, the, the closest astro, uh, you know, to us, and the influence of the moon, I think, is we all know it. Like you know, we can see the tides are, are being, you know, the influence of the moon on planet of Earth course, is, is yeah, huge. We see it. Um, and so, looking at um, at old, you know, old studies and everything, he realized that, yeah, around Europe, which he was studying mainly, people were doing certain things at certain time, pruning. You know, uh, at, at so, you know, at a certain position of the moon. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, watering crop at a certain time of the year, and 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 then the, he, he and and um, 
they, they, they started to make lecture and try to say, how could we go back closer to nature, working, making your farm or your vineyard as a kind of a whole with the, with the environment that's in it. Um, so biodynamic uh, work, as I say, like, um, like organic wine grower, and in today's world what it means, means that other crops is on courage. Um, you know, uh, it's not just monocrops, okay. of course, monoculture. So, of course, in a vineyard, you only plant, you know, you have a vineyard. But when we visit biodynamic growers uh, around the world, be it uh, in, in Italy, France, Georgia, as far mm -hmm. as Georgia, you could see some of the crops actually use. They use mm. their vineyard to, to grow beans or to grow okay. peas. And, sure. and, you know, all this encourage, uh, you know, you use your soil much in a much better way. Um, a lot of trees are replanted, edges. Nice. And... Yeah. Uh, you could see like a, a trip in Georgia, some part of Italy actually in Piemonte visiting Bellotti, for example, a very, very famous natural wine grower, biodynamically certified. You have to drive literally on the vineyard and in the property to see where the vines are because okay. everything is surrounded by fields, wow. cereals, yeah. hedges. There's a um, you're huge biodiversity farm. there it, already on the vineyard. Absolutely. Yeah. And keep in mind, um, Bellotti is leaving the way that, you know, most wine growers were living post-World War II, meaning that they were not just wine growers. They mm -hmm. were wine growers, but they had mostly cereals. They had okay. fruit trees. Uh, in the case of Bellotti, as all that. Plus and I can imagine that's much better for the land as well, isn't it? And this is it. You know, yeah. So you have your vineyard planted there, mm -hmm. surrounded. And also it encouraged all those... Uh, um, a lot of the disease, or it's not disease, we call it disease, a, a lot of the, the enemy bracket of the crop is... Other insects, you know, that mm. attack, you know, that would eat either the leaves, caterpillar eating mm. the leaves, uh, some uh, what, uh, little red spiders attacking, you know, the, 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 the fruit <laughs> itself and so on and so forth. And there's an array of uh, a natural, uh, you know, uh, cure for this. Like, so biodynamic will always try to encourage the crop, uh, grow crop around or fields or trees that will actually be a natural home for those uh, predators, sure. those insects. So little red spider have a predator, an insect that lives such uh, plants. So those plants are planted, so the mm -hmm. predators are here. So there's one world that never exists in biodynamic or, or, uh, or organic, it's, uh, or if you are in, in farming, is eradicate. Okay. You never look at eradicating anything. Wow. So little red spider, they're a, I mean, they're a pain for any yeah. grower. You don't want them in your vineyard. But you're always going to get a certain amount. If you work organically, you accept that. It's almost the, the rule of, I plant something, 90, 80% is for me, my family, or to make a living, and 20% or 10% is given back to nature. So basically, yields will be lower when you work organically, or, okay. or because or you, know, you, you lose some to either a disease or those um, tests. To nature, I suppose. And it's nature. When you work biodynamically, you really recreate that. So that's from the soil, the aeration, the work on the soil mm -hmm. is really, really labor-intensive just to air the soils, to make mm. sure that bacteria, any kind of a little form of life that make that are necessary to, to cultivate healthy, healthy crop mm. are there. Um, uh, so therefore, you know, you never use too heavy machinery to go between the rows, you know, because you would compact the soil. Is a lot of it done by hand rather than machinery by hand. at all? You can see a yeah. lot of horses coming back. And actually, um, uh, my brother works in the vineyard, always been in Burgundy, uh, in La Pousse d'Or. 
and his daughter, she turned 20, and she actually just started a business in plowing with a horse. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. And you know the scale of thing he's talking to her? She needs seven hectares to make okay. a living, and she needs two horses for that. And wow. if, she, if she gets seven hectare contract, because she goes to, a, she's a freelance, basically, plower, sure. and if she gets seven hectares, she's make a living. At the moment, she's four and a half. She's only training. She's only starting. And, uh, and, and that's it. That's a, a new... Um, it's a new branch of uh, a new, uh, uh, being, uh, um, I would say, a new trade being resurrected. Okay. But the funny thing is, when you plow with a horse, you need a harness, which okay. no one was making that in Burgundy So she anymore. had to find one or get and, one made. And there's a, an old, uh, in, the, in the hills of Burgundy, uh, a, a producer had retired years ago, <laughs> and he's reopening his uh, workshop, and a, a young lad is, is taking over. Uh, look, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's you know... It, uh, can we do that at the scale of, you know, to, to, to feed... Of a commercial the winemaker? Uh, commercial? Impossible. Yeah. At the moment, it's Burgundy. They sell their wine very well. They can, they can spend the money to plow by horse. It's much more expensive, maybe, because the, the money is in the wine. But, but we see that Burgundy is an example. But mm. plowing by horse is coming back in the Loire. It's coming up in every re- lots and lots of regions. Wow. And that's an example. And that's solely not to compact the soil. Okay. Uh, again, you live more in harmony. You can imagine the farmer flowing the land, being in the land all the mm-hmm. time, as reconnect with the, with the land. Mm-hmm. You know, something that we tend to forget now mm-hmm. with our, you know, modern tractors so high from the ground, yeah. aircon and music, you know, you... And I'm not saying that we should, you know, and I know having been working in the vineyard for three years, I know what a tedious and, and, and a hard job is. Sure. And I would never say that, you know, we should all go back to this old method. But that reconnection with the land is super mm-hmm. necessary because if you work biodynamically, you don't have an array of chemicals to help you in case of trouble, so you need to be there, mm. you need to observe, you need to be aware, and if, if you need to do a treatment of copper, uh, diluted copper, uh, you need to know fa- sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just too late. If you need mm-hmm. to start too, too much, there's no, no many way of, of, of ending it. Uh, but if you take it on time, you can definitely lower its effect, for I example. Understand. So you've painted this beautiful picture of what it's like to actually work on the land, what these vineyards are like and, and what the people are like. But what's the actual wine process then of yeah. biodynamic wine yeah. as so compared to conventional yeah. wine? So we just flew over there. There's so much more we can say about biodynamic preparations and mm. position of the moon and the, 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 the working with the calendar and so on to do certain things at a certain time. And, 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 and that's biodynamic. So it's really pushing organic to, to the next level, sure. really, you know. And then, and then you have the natural one. Oh, there's one more category. My apologies, we got the natural one as the last. Yeah, one. that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> what, is, what, what is a natural one maker? Well, natural one maker, in essence, is not much, much far remote from any of those organic okay. biology maker. The only thing about a natural wine, uh, someone that decides to make wine naturally, looks at, looks at the certification, and certification allow you still quite a. So, in the vineyard, we know no chemical. That's great. So that's hundred okay. percent. Nothing to change there. But when you come to the winery and when you bring your crop in, there is still a lot of things that are allowed, even if you're organic or biodynamic certified. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a few additives can be still added in the wine. Okay. Some process are still authorized. Uh, uh, and and uh, the natural maker says, no, no, I, I really would love to make wine uh, with a minimal intervention and certainly with zero additives. Okay. Uh, and so you've just explained, I've, I've just had a penny drop moment there now, right? where organic and biodynamic is the growing process. Correct. And the natural winemaking is the actual 
turning of those grapes into wine. That's these exactly. Are the, these are the differences. And this is where exactly the, the, there's a little split there. Okay. Well, it's little for some, bigger for others. Mm -hmm. But there is a, a, a definitely a split to be seen mm -hmm. there for mm -hmm. sure. Okay. So, so what happened with the natural wine maker? He will. So there is no certification. So this is why it's a little bit hazy there. Mm. But what's really understood is that the natural maker, number one, will harvest by hand, is crop by hand. Mm -hmm. He will only use selected yeast, uh, sorry, <laughs> native yeast. So the yeast that are present in his vineyard, on his grapes, in the winery, flying around, representing the real terroir of, 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 of the place, mm -hmm. of the one he wants to make, those yeasts that are present in his cellar and in his vineyard, these are the only thing that will actually start the fermentation. Okay. Those yeasts cannot be boosted. Mm -hmm. You can't boost them with enzyme. You can't boost them with uh, more yeast if the, if the fermentation, you know. So that means that some an example, and I try to give example every time so that people mm -hmm. can picture it clearly. That means, for example, take the Jura, where the, the Jura natural one maker. The Jura is a mountainous region east of mm -hmm. France, tiny region. We talk a lot about it at the moment because some incredible wine coming from there. The Jura gets a very early, early autumn, uh, the coolness of the autumn. So basically, imagine the wine in the cellar where the temperature dropped, fermentation mm -hmm. hasn't finished, fermentation will slow down, mm -hmm. eventually, literally stop. Not fully finished, but mm -hmm. stop. And there's still some sugar left in the wine, so the mm -hmm. fermentation is not finished. They have to wait the whole year, the whole winter, and when usually when the sap comes back up and when temperature gets warmer, the fermentation will start again. No commercial winemaker would ever wait a, a winter, and, a, and, and some would never ever wait that long to, to, to produce wine. Mm -hmm. Natural winemaker, it's as long as it takes. Nature decides. Okay. We have some extreme examples of um, a, a very sought after natural winemaker in the Jura called Pierre Auvernois, who can release sometimes his wine after four or five years in barrel. Not because the fermentation took four or five years, the fermentation more than likely took two anyway. But then he was not happy about the final product, the wine was not settled, the wine needed more time, more time. Sometimes it's eight, nine years he released the wine, he bottles it and put it to the market. Now, this is a four and a half hectare, five hectare estates. Okay. So, I guess, you know, you, you know but, but he still makes, he depends on that, he doesn't have any source of revenue, but he has decided to push the envelope to, to the limit. Mm -hmm. That's an example, maybe extreme, but that's a far, uh, just to people to grasp this as, as long as it takes. Most growers, um, so some year fermentation just takes place within the winter. You can bottle in the spring, all good, all went well, even making the wine naturally. But sometimes you have to prepare for that to happen. Every time we visit wine grower, they always show us a vat, a vat mm. from a year ago, a vat from two years ago. It's not even in barrel yet. Well, there's still sugar in the wine, so really? too late, you know, yeah. it should, sometimes they, they add juice, no, very little, so it's still allowed by the appellation, very little, but juice from the latest crop, Okay. no sugar, no yeast, but yeah. those, and that will re-kick the fermentation, and this is how it takes so long to make good natural wine as well, you need to know all those processes, you need mm. to know what, what juice you put, like an Alsatian grower, Kumpfmeyer, had uh, uh, a vat of Riesling, and he tried, this one was three years in the vat. This one was three years in the vat because the fermentation not finished. He tried to put Riesling back in, didn't really work. And then he found out uh, a few years back that a Sylvaner, for whatever reason, Sylvaner grape, most of that, oh, literally ate all its sugar and all the sugar of the Riesling and, 
and, and his wine was finished after three or four years. He was wow. able to bottle it. So it's it's really we talk about extreme, but you know that's the that's it the, is from one you, extreme to it, the other, isn't it? It, it is. It is. Yeah. And but amongst natural wine growers, they wouldn't have it any other way. You wouldn't mm. be respected in the wine grower community if you were not doing that. Mm. You know, and and uh, and I mentioned I could mention a list and list and list of people. I say, in fact. Uh, I think every grower we work with, the natural one grower we work with, have somewhere down their cellar a vat that's not finished, a year or sure. two years old, you know? It's just taking its time. Yeah. But I have a question for you. Sure. So, uh, the, you really explained how a natural winemaker makes his wine. Can an organic grower make his wine in a conventional way? So it's, And it's, is that wine that I see at a supermarket that's got this organic stamp? That can and is well that happen. different to natural wine? It, it can it can well happen. Um, an uh, organic wine, well, an organic winemaker, wine producer that's solely interested in the commercial aspect of it, and yeah. there are quite few of them. Yeah. Let, let's face it, and it's just not in wine, as we know, it's in everything. An organic grower that's only interested in just getting the premium from his wine mm. because he has the organic label. Um, and maybe communicating on how good he is for the planet. And there is plenty of those mm. guys. Uh, they would, uh, first of all, whether it's in wine or whatever, you could imagine this, it's usually very large scale uh, farm. Um, it's easier to represent because in wine, of course, you can't approach your wine and plant something else sure. and, and rotate the crop. But certainly you can imagine that very little has been made to encourage other life you know, it's just to do not use the product that is prohibited, yeah. uh, but nothing is made really to encourage, you know, nature yeah. in yeah. there. Every single bit of land is used to plant crop. Uh, nothing is planted on the side that could that could take out yeah. on the. So 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 yes, yeah. and and then mm -hmm. it's it's mostly um, the, most of the the way of uh, you know it's just sticking boxes basically. Mm. They, they would they would they would tend to um, uh, to to grow crop. As I said, with the commercial uh, uh, always uh, aspect of it, um, and, and it's it's totally different. Obviously, it's, it's the other it's the other side. It, it's so di remotely, uh, it's so different from, so different. from the natural one grower, yeah. or, or even the the, the authentic or, or organic grower or biology as well. You know, but yes, there the commercial side of of the business can actually dig into organic and and biology, mm. get their certification. And uh, it, it can happen for sure. This is and this is why natural wine movement was was born. It's, it's just to dissociate themselves from from the other side of of, yeah. the, of the organic. And and, yeah. and I just mentioned the fermentation, but after that they tried to use a, a no mechanical process. Okay. As much as you we're back pumping, to the natural winemaking. To the natural no. winemaking, yeah. Yeah. Lots of them have tried to build their cellar or even use ancient cellar, mm -hmm. which were all built in that way, so that gravity yeah. works. You know. Uh, you always bring uh, your your liquid down a, 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 a floor so that it's all done by gravity. You don't, oh, wow. you don't need pump. You don't need to to brisk the wine or okay. just to try to capture in the bottle, in essence, the the, the product as pure as 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 um, nature intended as nature intended, and to represent that piece of land and the year where it was grown. Mm. So all those technicalities is is one thing, but. People may wonder, yeah, okay, so what's the point of all that? And, and I think it brings us to, to another side of it. So is, what's the point? Is it, is it better? Or is it better? Is it better? Yeah, and well, this is it. And I'd say most people that have been into natural... I always say to people, okay, but try that. You know, look, I'm not to say that, you know, the commercial are evil and this is the great yeah. thing to do, but 
but try it, try it, try it. This, this mm. is an alternative. Wine can be still made that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not reinventing the way they were made years and years and years ago, but still using the, 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 what we know, the knowledge we have. Mm. Uh, you know, the, and, and you taste the wine. So, so to me, I, if you look at the natural wine, first of all, it's the aspect of it, you know? Mm -hmm. The natural winemaker will never filter or find their wine. This is why mm. actually that brings us to another thing that 99% of them are vegan friendly because, uh, because they do not use any fining, they don't use eggs or fish products to find the, 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 the wine, so therefore there is no residue of those products. To, fi to find the wine, what do you mean by that? It's a f form of filtering, so okay. you can filter the wine. Filtering is to pass the wine through, gotcha. uh, through filters different type of filters. Fining is a method where you, tr you put something into the vat or into the barrel. Mm. So it's either eggs or bentonite. Bentonite is fine, it's a form of clay. And then well, while that um, uh, mixture goes down at the bottom, mm. it takes all the impurity as it goes down. Gotcha. And then the wine is called fine, clarified mm. in the way. And then of course you, you rack your wine, you take only the clear liquid and you leave the bottom you know, and you discard. Okay. So then you have fined your wine. Um, natural wine grower believe that if you do that or filter too, too much your wine or filter at all, you are taking out some, some, of the, some, some part of the wine that, that makes it more alive. Um, so very often the appearance would be kind of a hazy, cloudy, mm -hmm. not always, because of course you can, if you leave your, your wine for, for a long period of time in a vat and you just take the top of it, it's naturally clarified, naturally, mm -hmm. uh, you know. So, certain form of haziness you would expect, you know. Then you smell the wine and uh, like you, it's something very pure and this is where most people, uh, it's the nose, it's the nose uh, mm. that, that most people that are not convinced about natural wine say, yeah, it smells weird, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, well. Because it's not something that we're used to smelling. Exactly, anymore. It, it's it, an for most, for way most, almost. Exactly, I mean, you know, People in Italy, uh, people in France, you know, in the countryside, when they taste for the, f I, gosh, they've stopped, they've, they've given up drinking wine because, the, as they say, you know, there's too much stuff put in it, it's not wine anymore. And then they, suddenly they taste a natural wine, they smell natural wine, that, that brings them, you can see in their face, yeah. it brings them back to, to, uh, to their youth or what they used to drink, the wine they used to drink. Yeah. Um, so the nose, yeah, it can be, yeah, but, but, but it's usually, it's, it's, it's uh, more subtle anyway, compared to the modern, mm. you know, the oak or all those overripe fruit that you can, or ripe fruit that you can get, you know, into a more conventional wine. You're something always, you smell the fruit itself, so therefore it's always more uh, subtle mm. in a way. Yes, there could be a little bit of a reduction. Reduction is when the wine has been, because we don't use sulfur, and I'll come back to that uh, mm. quickly. Uh, because sulfur is not needed at any stage of the of, of, of the of the wine process, uh, sulfur is not added, so you have to work and protect your wine from oxidation. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you work into closed, uh, you know, closed uh, uh, airtight kind of mm -hmm. environment. That so your wine may develop a kind of a smell of barnyard or farmyard, mm -hmm. you know, not over pleasant. That's reduction. So all it takes is air the wine, swirl the wine in the glass, uh, you know, or if the bottle, decant the bottle, put the bottle into, not necessarily decanter, but any kind yeah. of jug and, and pour the wine in there, let it air, let it breathe, yeah. then you, you, you pour it, swirl the glass, additions should be gone. It goes after five, ten minutes mm -hmm. anyway, and it's never present. That smell is never present on the palate, you know, so that's, that's why it's called reduction. Okay. Um, and then and after that, 
it's on the palate. What is what is it? And I try to encourage people to recognize themselves. They don't need me to tell them, oh, this is natural or this is not natural. I think people, sure. and after a while, after drinking X amount of natural wine, you know, people start to really realize, uh, you know, wh what they're drinking. So what to look for? Well, the purity of aromas is what strikes me first. But the minute that the wine hit the palate, you have that bright acidity. You know, acidity that grabs you. If you sure. bite into a nice apple, into a, a pear, mm -hmm. you will get acidity. The fruit acidity comes in as fast as the sweetness, sometimes even faster. The first thing, you have that, uh, the palate feels elect electricity on it, and it's, it's, it feels alive and livened mm -hmm. and challenged. Not, not challenged, mm -hmm. I would say, but definitely uh, um, brought, brought to life. And then the sweetness, and then you have the aromas, and that's what you would get when you actually sip into a natural wine. You have that kind of a reconnection with the fruit. You instantly know, close your eyes, it's, 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 it's derived from mm -hmm. the fruit. You can imagine the grape there. Um, and after that, yeah, you, the, the, the balance, I love when they're well made, the, the, the balance is, 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 is spot on between acid, tannins, fruit, ripeness, mm -hmm. sweetness, all that is in harmony. Yeah. And you know, it's really smile-inducing when you're into wine and you hit <laughs> those notes. It's it, it just, yeah, fine. You know, Smile-inducing wine, I love it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they tend to be, uh, the, the wine that, I often say that brightness, that I see, and, and they tend to be lighter in alcohol because when you grow wine organically or biodynamically, you tend to be, the, 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 the philonic uh, ripeness of the grape happen sooner. That's proven, that's a fact. It's not a, yes. uh, sometimes up to a week sooner. So if you harvest a week earlier in the hot weather in September or whenever you are, you, you know, you will uh, lose, you will be able to have a ripe grape with less sugar mm -hmm. because the last few days of the ripening is just the grape make more and more sugar and then in turn alcohol potential. So if you ha harvest ripe grape that don't have too much sugar, your level of alcohol will typically be anything between 11 to 12 and a half. Okay. The way Bordeaux used to be, the way any wine used to be in, uh, you know, again, post um, or pre World War II, the big alcoholic wine uh, with lots of alcohol, big sugar, big everything, it's really, uh, it's really recent. And, and okay. not 70 year old recent, it's recent, maybe 30, 40 yeah, year old. More, you know? more of this conventional yeah, kind of style. That's it, yeah. So you mentioned um, a couple of times there, the adding of sulfur yeah. and, and sulfites is a, is a big word. We're kind yeah. of scared of it. Should yeah. we be? Yeah, no, 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 well, not really. Sulfur is uh, sulfite occurs naturally. Uh, sulfur is present in, in nature. It's a it's a byproduct of fermentation as well. When you ferment it, there's always a, 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 a tiny amount of sulfur will be created. Mm. Sulfur has been used in wine making as a to clean recipient to disinfect recipients uh, in, and since Roman times, I believe. Uh, not in liquid form though. I think the liquid form is much more recent. It's since the, mm. we made so much progress in chemistry and to produce them in vast volume as we are now. Uh, Roman didn't have any liquid form, let, let's face it, nor, nor anyone making wine <laughs> in the Middle Ages and certainly not a uh, you know, liquid form of sulfur. But they did have sulfur that they extracted from the mountain, from the soil, burn it into a recipient, literally disinfecting, killing all bacteria and keeping okay. airtight as well. So sulfur is used as a, a disinfectant to kill bacteria mm -hmm. uh, and also uh, antioxidant in a way that it actually kills the air and prevent the air from spoiling your your crop or mm. your wine uh, during the wine process. Mm. So it is used widely. At what stage in the, so take a modern conventional large scale winery, grape are harvested, 
by machine, most of the, the, the grape are exploded. You need to protect them from air. You throw sulfur on it. Okay. You bring it to the vineyard, uh, to the winery, it's put into vats to, to ferment it. More, more sulfur is poured there at that level to make sure to kill, to kill off all the unwanted uh, bacteria, but also yeasts. And uh, sulfur is added during the wine, uh, in, when it's put into barrels, it's added every three months on a regular basis, just to stabilize the wine. And mm. at, at that stage, I must say, I'm not even sure why they add so much, but it, mm. it's added. And then at bottling, at bottling, this is where the most culprit, because it's there, there in, in, the, in, in the wine. Now, give you an idea, a uh, conventional winemaker in white wine can add up, up to 210 milligrams of sulfur can be total okay. added into the that's uh, a lot, uh, wine. Isn't it? 210 milligrams per liter, that's a lot, that's huge, that's really huge amount. So in white wine and uh, 160 in red wine, so that's huge amount. Mm. And just to put that in perspective, um, biodynamic and organic, you know, it's much less, it's half of that, mm. but they can still add that much. And okay. that's where also one of the, the splits with natural winemaker occur. Natural winemaker typically will add none maybe two, four, eight milligram mm. at bottling stage, mm. never at any other stage of the winemaking, but at bottling stage, when they feel that, yeah, maybe a little bit is needed. Their goal, the growl, is to put a year where everything goes so well that none is needed. And they are very proud of that. This year, no sulfur. But the two, four milligram they use is so minuscule and homeopathical mm. dose. But keep in mind, even is known is added at all, Sulfur occurs naturally. In Europe, if it's more than 10, if there's more than 9 or 10 milligrams per liter, you need to mention it on the bottle because it's one of the allergens. Sulfur is one of the allergens. Yeah. So, uh, so it needs to be mentioned on the, on the, on the bottle by EU law, mm. contain sulfur or sulfides, even if, if the grower has added none. So, some, so this is where it's a little bit uh, oh, you tell people in the shop, oh no, yeah, no sulfur added there. It says contains sulfur, yeah, because maybe the final uh, analysis showed 8 to 10, but that's a naturally occurring it's one. It's a naturally you know? occurring one, um, yeah. But some growers like Angelo Marley in Italy, for example, he actually shows everything that's in the bottle. Mm. Uh, the dr you know, everything, the, the, the alcohol level, the sulfur present in the wine at bottling, and is 0 0.2. 0.3, so it's well below mm. the, the 9. So he doesn't have to mention it, but he, he just mentioned it for people clarity. Yeah. And I think it would be... I think that's an, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Sulfur is kind of one of those things that people go, oh, I can't drink this wine, I get such a headache, that's the sulfites in it. Yeah. Or, you know, is that, is that something that people it's, should it's, look it's, out for? I or? think it's part, it's part yeah. of it. It's part of it. A, a very commercially made wine that uses that amount of sulfur. And keep in mind, like most supermarkets bottle the wine themselves. You know, we think, oh, supermarket, they go out there, they go to the vineyard, find this lovely man. That's the way they communicate on. But this is far removed from the truth. The biggest bottling plant in Europe is actually in Bristol, in the okay. UK. Okay. And they have the contract with German discounters and a big, large uh, mm. UK uh, supermarket chain are bringing the wine from all over the world in mega pouch, almost imagine the size of a container, mm. uh, sorry, of a, of a, a tanker, a, a tanker, a vast amount in mega pouch. It's brought that way to Bristol and the supermarket has the last say of how it's bottled, how much sulfur is added. Uh, someone that's invested in a, a million liter of wine that he brought all the way from Australia to a bottling plant in Bristol and bottles it in Bristol, I'd say, 
within the pure commercial view of selling the wine, obviously nothing else than just commercial mm -hmm. in the back of their head. I don't think supermarket would care much about what you know our health or or caring anything else than making money. I mean, communication they can, they communicate differently, obviously, but you know I think with experience you can mm -hmm. see that it's all a, a mar you know it's all a kind of a commercial exercise. So they will dictate how much sulfur is added. So from two milligram to two hundred and ten, you know, um, mm. it, 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 it's I think it's easy to to to, to guess what, what's yeah. added in that in, in it. You know, I think this has been a really interesting conversation so far. You've really kind of broken down that overwhelm that I often have when I look at like a shelf of wine or mm -hmm. a catalog of wine or, you know, going online. But I suppose it, it's it's about that research beforehand. It's about kind of maybe making those choices beforehand yeah. how can people i suppose yeah ma ma make the best choice in when when they are going to select wine yeah how, how, how can that so the like, process be a little bit yeah, easier i guess 80 percent of the wine bought for purchase for drink home consumption is bought in supermarkets so there you're left in the hands uh you're there used to be a time where a supermarket had a wine specialist and uh, people that would advise i think it's, those days are long gone now you're left you know with whatever certification you look for uh you know so if you want an organic wine you'll find them in supermarkets some biody even i imagine then you have the whole array of box ticking of vegan friendly and all those things mm -hmm. and but but you're always left with the supermarket selection something that's been bottled most in, in most cases bottled for the supermarket uh, uh so, so yeah so so there i'm not sure i, I don't know how to advise there obviously mm -hmm. I don't know. Go buy the. the but the, we're the, we're not in the business of selling in supermarkets but because that's you it. you are a small the, wine merchant, it. and there's there's other wine merchants like you and absolutely. And I guess some kind of a system, and and I think it it is fair that we talk about neighbor food at this point. Yes, indeed. Sells your your wine as as you do independently. Absolutely. So maybe is it making that choice to go to a smaller vendor? But that's it. That's it. As I always say, exactly in the wine merchants. So this is where, you know, like. If you want, to, if you want to source those style of wine, and and uh, you need to be guided, sure. uh, and and this is where indie wine merchants are. I mean, shops are, and Ireland is so rich in those mm. shops. Never food, propose those style of wine to, to the to their to their customers. Mm. Um, so you, yeah, it, it's it's all about advice. Mm. Uh, it's back to old school advice. You find one merchant, and you don't have to trust him. You, well, you'd have to probably trust him for your first purchase. You bring it home. Ultimately, is it does it suit your taste? Yeah. The wine merchant will have told you all the background behind the wine, how it's produced. Mm. Uh, because when you're an indie wine merchant, you know that you have relation with the grower, mm. or a great relation at least with the with the wholesaler that, mm. that that you buy the wine from. So you you have that, and you can communicate it to and. And this is what those Indies are doing. That's what they do. That's mm. what they want to do. They're so enthusiastic about it. They're so it, passionate you know? about wine. I can see the passion coming out of your eyes. <laughs> yeah. at the but, but I'd say <laughs> I am. But I'd say I could say the same. Like you know, the Ireland has a has a really really great uh, scene uh, in in the wine scene, and and it's there to be embraced and supported. By the way, because you know people are thinking you know it, it's been a difficult time obviously for mm. everything and uh, you know for everyone uh, and for indie wine merchant as well. Uh, but but uh, when I mentioned that the, maybe eighty percent of the wine consumed in Ireland at home is purchased supermarket, of course we concentrate on the other twenty percent because this is where we this is our offer. Our offer at the moment is only you know twenty percent are purchased in Indies, and I think it's shared with the restaurants as well as mm -hmm. consumer restaurants. So it's a very tiny part of the market, 
but um, it's, it's there to grow, the, 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 you know, because um, it's, it's just for people to, uh, you know, if they can make the switch, you know, the same way you can buy your, all your goods in the supermarket, but when it comes to specialized product, wine is not a community, same meat is not a, community, a commodity, I think there are specialists, bread is not a community, uh, veg, uh, wherever, my ideal world is that people would actually, you know, still support those small, uh, you know, veg sellers and fishmongers yeah. and, and cheese and, and as opposed to just getting a full trolley of product processed most case and yeah. uh, that well, in, I think in the eating and drinking with the seasons is a wonderful and, thing and, to do and for and our health and supporting our community and that as too, well. And, and that seasonality you'll find it in places like Neighbor Food, mm. you'll find it in places like the you know all the small specialist shop mm. um, and, 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 uh, and, and, and that's it and you, 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 you live more in symbiosis with, with, with seasons and, and nature and, and products, fruits, veg, everything that's on season is obviously mm. better, better for us because it's, uh, it's the time to eat it when it's ripe, when it's been harvested. Mm. Um, but to come back to wine, yeah, that, that's, um, so yeah, the, the shelves can be daunting, but shelf, even shelf in, in an indie or the same, the difference with an indie uh, wine merchants or, or, or an even website, because you can talk online as well. Mm. If, if, you, if you purchase online from an indie or from labor food, the explanations are there, yeah. you know. And you don't be afraid to ask the questions because uh, well, exactly the people that well. are on the other side of, of that shop well, front And that's the magic of neighbor food as well because yeah. there's an email to, uh, to any supplier, any, any, any um, like I take Le Caveau, for example, our, our page on neighbor food, there's an email or Le mm. Caveau. Anyone can just click on that and say, oh, by the way, you have such wine, such yeah. wine, uh, can you tell me more about it? Or, and, and we will, that's what we do. We, we, we give information on wine mm. we sell and, uh, and, we, and, and our aim is to find the bottle that the customer will like, that you will like. Mm. We don't want to sell you anything that you won't like because how good is that to us? You know, yeah. We want you to come back with a smile, head to a shop a few days later. And, and as we see that so often, we've, so many people have switched from conventional wine or maybe even artisan to a point or classics, you know, and now they push the door of Le Caveau or, or our website. And, and, um, and, and that's it, they, they, they try five, six, seven, eight natural wine and they said, gee, I, 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 want, I want to drink that now, you know, I want to drink those yeah. style of wine. What else do you have? And to us, that's, that's, it's one, one person at a time for sure. Um, it's, uh, it's very hand-sell, um, but, but that we have more time than anyone else. And it becomes a journey else, of discovery, do. doesn't it, as well, for the customer. Yeah, yeah. Pascal, I, I feel I've got like a million other questions to ask you but we're running out of time here oh, no. <laughs> um it's it, it's 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 been really really interesting breaking those down for me i think um i think you've answered a lot of questions for people thank you, thank you so much for taking pleasure. the time Absolute um, pleasure. Yeah, no, have you got any little french uh, salut for us or a little uh... yeah no well, <laughs> well if we had a glass of wine i would say santé but uh <laughs> Au revoir for the moment. Au revoir. Merci beaucoup, Pascal. À la prochaine. Au revoir, merci. Bye. That was absolutely fantastic. I am so glad I got to sit down with Pascal and just chew his ear on that. He really just shed a lot of light on what the differences were between those wines. Thank you. Did you enjoy that, Jack? I did. It was really nice. Thanks for sitting down with um, with Pascal. Thank you, Pascal, for joining us on the podcast. And thanks to Beverly and the crew at Latitude for letting us use the room there. And it is also worth mentioning that um, 
There's a lot of talk this year about shortages and different things like that. And Pascal has mentioned it too, coming up to Christmas and how difficult it is to get your hands on, particularly kind of artisan or the more, mm. more independent, smaller producers of things. So I think good time to start thinking about pre-order. We've actually just built a pre-order functionality for neighbor food. So that's going live now. So you'll be able to pre-order different things through that. But whether you're using neighbor food or even just your, you know, local um, food shops, uh, it will be worth getting in there early and doing your pre-orders. And also yeah. it's worth mentioning as well, there are loads of other wine merchants that also source from small independent mm-hmm. um, vineyards and different um, places across Europe. So it is worth chatting to your local wine merchant and trying to have an interesting wine Christmas. I know I'm going to do that. I am going to open a little bottle of wine here now for myself right now. <laughs> and I'm definitely looking forward to uh, my mixed case of uh, natural and low intervention wines that um, I should be getting for the season ahead. Thank you, Jack. Okay, thanks everyone. And thanks to Peter Broderick for our music. And thanks to Jolene for producing and editing this podcast. And we will see you again next week. See you soon.